from the feature staff at the Columbus Dispatch. This is Life in the 614. Hi, and welcome to Life in the 614, the official lifestyle podcast of the Features Department at the Columbus Dispatch, coming to you every Thursday. If it sounds like fun, we'll be talking about it. I'm Ryan Smith, Assistant Features Editor at the Dispatch, and I'm feeling out of this world. So it seems appropriate that there's so much going on in the area, promising to take fun into the stratosphere. Let's start with a musical about a flying magic carpet. Discover a whole new world at the Disney musical about a boy who discovers a genie, playing now at the Ohio Theater. Or get your game on big time when the Beers and Board Games Club of Columbus hosts the fourth annual 24-hour board game marathon, starting Saturday with both tabletop and video games at the actual brewing company. And few know how to get a crowd into orbit, like Elton John, who'll be playing Nationwide Arena on Friday. Part of his farewell Yellow Brick Road tour, it's sold out, so you'll have to look to resale venues. But the real Rocket Man... Well, my colleague Steve Stevens and I have got him as our guest on today's podcast. That would be Scott Kelly, the astronaut and author who has visited space three times, twice on missions to the International Space Station. On his last mission, which ended in 2016, he spent nearly a year on the space station, setting a record at the time for the number of days spent in space by an American astronaut. His memoir, Endurance, recounts that year and the journey that led him to be an astronaut. And he has another book, Infinite Wonder, just out showcasing his photography from space. On November 1st, Kelly will visit Capital University in a special appearance sponsored by the Thurber House. Thanks for joining us today, Scott. I'll let Steve get things started. Obviously, you're coming to Columbus, and you're going to be talking about your uh, memoir, Endurance. And first of all, I want to say it's a pleasure to have you here on Earth. So on your last mission, you uh, spent nearly a year inside what basically a stack of high-tech soda cans uh, 250 miles above the surface of the Earth. Besides your family and friends, what did you miss most? from Earth during your long mission? I missed Columbus, Ohio. <laughs> That's what they all say. I had never been to Columbus until just recently, so it seems like a nice place. But, yeah, you know, besides, like, people, you miss weather, rain, wind, miss the sun, miss sleeping in a bed, freedom to do what you want when you want to do it, you know, variety of people, other experiences. So there's a lot to miss on Earth. Earth's got a lot of good stuff. I like Earth. What was it like to be away, especially during the time that your sister-in-law, Representative Gabby Giffords, survived an assassination attempt that severely wounded her with no chance to come back at that point? Yeah, you know, it's hard. That's like the toughest thing about being in space for a long time is that things can happen to folks on Earth that you care about with little, you know, possibility for you to help them, at least in person. So, you know, it's a challenge, but, you know, it's one of those experiences that kind of reminds you that, you know, there are times in your life where there are things that you don't have control over. So, you know, try not to focus on them and focus on the things that you do have control over. And that's what I tried to do. How did that particular situation play out for you while you were in space? So, yeah, I spent a lot of time with my brother on the phone and my family and, you know, friends just to try to, you know, follow along and, you know, support him as much as I could, meaning my brother particularly. I think after a while I realized I was kind of being a burden to him, you know, because, you know, I, I wanted to, in my trying to help him, kind of turned into him trying to help me almost deal with it. And then I, you know, realized that he had more important things to do. Now, you're coming to town as both an astronaut and an author, and in your book, you write about how Tom Wolfe's The Right Stuff actually inspired you as a teenager to kind of get your life together and become an astronaut. What was it about that book that you found so moving? 
you know, I wasn't a big reader at the time. Maybe what initially got my attention was his writing style. Kind of drew me in to the book. This, you know, like think what was characterized or coined as like new journalism or this like creative nonfiction style. You know, I think that's what got my attention. But then, you know, the characters in it, which were real people, of course, I felt like I could relate to them. But, you know, with one big exception, and that is I was not a good student. So, you know, I, but I thought, you know, well, if I could fix that thing, well, maybe I could be a pilot in the military someday since I did feel a connection to these guys that had been very successful. Yeah, if I fix that, maybe I could even, you know, be a test pilot and an astronaut, possibly. So, yeah, that book was very important to me. And you actually phoned Wolf from the space station during your last mission. Was he surprised about that, and how did that go? Well, I had emailed him previously, so he kind of knew he was. I was going to send him an email. I think he knew. Then he emailed me back in typical Tom Wolf style with elaborate punctuation and an occasional word that he made up. <laughs> <laughs> and then I talked to him on the phone. It was great. He really enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. And most of the time talking about space flight and the space station, you know, a little bit of time talking about his writing and his career. But mostly we talked about what it's like to be in space. Did talking to him and ended the book, did that ultimately help you decide to write your own book? Well, you know, I knew that I might have had a story that would be interesting to people that would maybe be inspirational to some. So, it, no, it was not the call with him that helped me decide to write a book. It was more that, you know, I felt like there was a story there that people would be interested in. I actually took a lot of notes during the flight, and I didn't talk to Tom until the very end. I would say, though, his book and how it inspired me was inspirational in me wanting to write a book that would inspire others, but it didn't have anything to do with the phone call with him. You talk about the influence of the book. We happen to be talking at a time when space has got some pop culture cred again with the movie First Man. I'm curious what your reaction was to the actual moon landing and if you have any memories of it, if that had any impact on you. You know, it's one of my earliest memories you know, where I could identify a specific, you know, date, probably, probably my earliest memory, where I could say, well, I know what I was doing on that day. And I do remember it. I remember my parents waking us up, bringing us downstairs from our bedroom, watching the moon landing, and then going back to sleep. You know, I thought it was amazing, even as a, you know, a five-year-old, actually six-year-old kid. I remember understanding how big of a deal this was. I was such a bad student, though, that it's not like I thought right then and there, you know, I'm going to be an astronaut. I, what I actually thought was most of my growing up is that's cool, but there's no way I could ever do that, you know, because I was such an underperforming student. But yeah, it is one of my earliest memories. Continuing in the vein of First Man and, and speaking of movies, I understand that you watched Gravity on board the space station. What was that like, and, and was that a good decision? Yeah, it was kind of cool because it's like watching a movie of your house burning down <laughs> but while you're inside of it. And, yeah, you know, Gravity, I liked it. You know, there was a lot of stuff wrong with it, but the space station looked very accurately, and it was neat to watch it on the space station. Now, you hold some or held some endurance records for days in space, and I know you talk about what it does to the human body and how we'll have to spend that kind of time to get to Mars. What do you think are the prospects of getting to Mars, especially now with the 
state of the uh, space program. When do you think we'll get there? Will we get there? I think we will. I have no idea when. I think we could right now or, you know, when the planets align, as they say. But uh, it's more about the political science than the rocket science, meaning that going to Mars is more about having the willpower and the direction and then the support of our government and the people versus any particular technical challenge. But you think the uh, human body is up to it? I know in your very introduction, you go through some uh, horrifying effects of uh, returning to Earth. Well, yeah, and I think that's worse than what you would experience going to Mars, because, you know, Mars trip would take you seven months to get there. Then you're going to spend a year on the surface in a, uh, you know, in a gravity field that is one third what it is on Earth. So that will you know, help mitigate a lot of those effects that I saw after nearly 12 months. And then, you know, you come back and it's another seven months coming back. So I think from a, um, you know, symptomatic perspective, I, I'd probably experience something worse than you would going to Mars. Can you describe for everyone some of the physical symptoms that you suffered upon coming back? You know, you're sore, you're stiff, you're tired. You know, we, we lose a lot of blood volume. Uh, we get the blood volume back quick, but what you don't get back is the red blood cells. So people are definitely fatigued. I was for, you know, a few months. I had hives and rashes on my skin where my skin had not touched anything for a really long time. I had flu-like symptoms. I was nauseous. I was dizzy. There's effects on my uh, eyes, my vision, structural changes in my eyes, genetic changes. I had, you know, lengthening of my chromosomes, which is kind of a good thing, or lengthening of my telomeres, which on the ends of our chromosomes, which can be looked at as a good thing. But, you know, that quickly returned back to normal. After I got back, I had uh, 7% of my DNA expressed uh, differently, meaning that what that means is a gene, like, turning itself on or off. And, you know, I don't know what the implications of that are. Swelling in my legs when I would stand up, that was probably the worst thing. I would just feel all the blood rushing out of my head and down to my ankles. My ankles blowing up like balloons. Yeah, that's about it. Your twin brother, Mark, also an astronaut, you're actually the only siblings to have both flown in space. Are they still studying you and your brother, your identical twin, to see how the differences between you may have grown since your time in space? Yeah, some of those uh, studies are ongoing. Most of them, they collect uh, data. Mostly it's like genetic stuff at our annual flight physicals. So, uh, you know, I'm still involved. Uh, they, yeah, they do still collect some data. But, you know, it, it's not, I don't know which experiments they're still working on because it's somewhat transparent to us. I'm also interested, you had mentioned that, you know, you knew you wanted to write something that would inspire others. In what way do you hope to inspire people? And I would add, especially a younger generation, uh, kind of like my kids, who have grown up so far without an active space shuttle program here in the United States. Well, you know, I hope people would read my book and say, wow, this guy was not particularly good in school, found some inspiration, and was able to dramatically redirect his life and energy and do something that was, you know, pretty accomplished. And, you know, I would hope people could use that as an example that, you know, that you do get second chances. You can change your direction and do things that you thought maybe you weren't capable of, because that's what I did. And, you know, I hope some people could use that as an example. Now, John Glenn is kind of a hometown boy here in Columbus. You talk about visiting Columbus. Does he know you were parking in his NASA parking space for 18 years? I doubt it, because... He had left 
and then I moved in the next day. <laughs> did he kind of leave that to you, or did you just take it upon yourself to take John Glenn's parking space? No, I just got a... So right when he was leaving, leaving the astronaut office, I got assigned to my first space flight. And you don't, as an astronaut, one of the, the perks that comes with a flight assignment is an assigned parking spot. So it was just kind of a, a serendipitous thing where he was leaving the same time I was getting assigned. And then I got assigned to this flight very early in my astronaut career, so I didn't have to walk to the back lot uh, for many years. But it was great that his spot became my spot. E-113 was the name of it. <laughs> <laughs> Did he sign it before he left? No, he didn't. I don't think he cared. <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm pretty sure he didn't know. And if he knew, <laughs> he probably wouldn't care. <laughs> you have a new book that's going to be coming out this month, a book of photos that you took from the space station, Infinite Wonders. What inspired you to release your photos as a book there? All the people that said to me, you got to publish a photo book. So it was really, I was influenced by the general public to do that. I just got so many requests. Hey, can you please write a book? Can you, where can we get these pictures? I want to, in some cases, hang them on their, their walls, which I need to work on that. Having a place where people could maybe buy some of these that were, you know, large enough to put on a wall. But yeah, it was really the general public that encouraged me to do that. As a space photographer, what tended to catch your eye? You know, I, you know, my mother was a, an artist, and besides being a cop, very artistic minded. And uh, the pictures that I kind of became known for and the ones that I'd like to take were pictures that looked more like modern art than a photo of the earth. That was kind of my thing. And I, maybe I got that side of the brain from my mother. So one other thing that I was wondering, after spending so much time in space and, and now that you're back, what do you miss the most? About space, I miss the work. Doing something that's technically challenging, that has consequences if you don't perform it well. In some cases, those consequences might be you lose your life. And because of that, you know, it makes it, you know, more rewarding when you're doing something that has such severe implications to poor performance. I also miss the people. You know, even though those people are back on Earth, I miss the people that I was in space with and miss working with them um, as part of a team to do something that transcends our own, ourselves. And what's next? Any other projects that are in the works? Yeah, I have a few more books I'm working on, kids' books. I do a lot of public speaking on the boards of some small companies. Always looking for other opportunities if you got any ideas, but uh, <laughs> I stay really busy. Excellent. Uh, just one last question for my kids, like I mentioned. What's one little detail from space life, other than using a toilet, because they already know that because they looked it up on YouTube, that they might find super interesting? A detail that they would find interesting, like some secret, little secret thing? Yeah. Hmm. Like most of the, the space station has a general orientation to it. You know, lights are on the ceiling, labels are oriented in a in a specific way, you know, with the, there's a floor, there's a ceiling, there are walls. If you turn upside down and you're like floating upside down for about, you know, five minutes or so, your brain will make this 180 degree shift in your reference frame and it'll make you feel like you're in a completely different place. Like you're now in a new space station that looks very foreign and unfamiliar. 
So how do you deal with that? Turn right side up. (laughs) Good answer. (laughs) Excellent. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today. It's been really fun. Yes, thanks very much. Yeah, no problem. We'll look forward to seeing you when you're here. Yeah. All right. Take care. Bye. And thank you all for listening to Life in the 614. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Google Play Music. We hope to have you back next week. Until then, keep enjoying your own life in the 614.